Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lily Kate Show. Today is a wonderful day to be alive, but Americans are angry. Texans are angry. We have a border crisis. People are flooding over into the interior of the United States. Many of them convicted murderers, convicted felons, and other kinds of nasty criminals. People are getting poorer and poorer every single day as we stay reliant on dependent on the federal government and the welfare checks that they are giving out. And our currency hits an all-time high and inflation is not predicted to go down anytime soon. So you better go buy that car now because it's going to be a lot more expensive when your money carries a lot less value from here on out. We have a global embarrassment and crisis over on the seas. And we have pissed off France, a country that is almost as unstable as the United States. However, they've always been a good ally to us. I was recently listening to Chad Prather, who is the comedian and also the host of the Chad Prather show. He's running for Texas governor against incumbent Greg Abbott. He spoke and said that we need a whole legislature clean out in Texas. No more establishment politicians, no more power hungry career public servants. We need something new. And in 2022, a high majority of House and government seats in Texas specifically will be up for a new election. Yes, we need to focus on who is going to be in charge of Texas, but we also need to be focusing on who is going to be in second in command, third in command, who's going to be the speaker, who's going to be filling the seats in the legislature. So I had someone reach out to me as an early campaign move. Aaron Sorrells is running for lieutenant governor of Texas, and we're going to grill him today on his platform and see if he really knows his stuff. So now it's up for you to decide. Would you give Aaron Sorrells your vote? Aaron, how are you? Doing good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Aaron Sorrells. I'm running for lieutenant governor of Texas. I'm tired of the government in my life. I'm tired of politics. I'm tired of my business being told how to how to operate, what mask to wear, what mm -hmm. vaccines to put in my arm, and I'm tired of losing my freedoms and my rights. So I'm standing up to do something about it. No better reason to run, right? Exactly. So your website on the About page says, quote, Aaron chose to run after observing for years how Dan Patrick, who's the current lieutenant governor, has failed to protect the individual rights and freedoms of Texans to live their lives free from excessive government interference. While Patrick pretends to be a conservative, his, quote, principled conservatism consists of making backroom deals in the interests of his donors to kill important conservative legislative priorities in committee. Can you illustrate some of the, quote, backroom deals that Dan Patrick has engaged in that hurt Texans' freedom? Well, a lot of the backroom deals are what we don't see pass, and that's actually the problem with Dan is he'll he'll tell you everything's passed, but they kill it all in committees. So, for instance, Constitutional Carry was sitting on Dade Fillon's desk he to do whatever he wanted with it because the Senate will tell you they passed everything. But they make deals so that it doesn't get passed, and that's the thing. Politics is always what's seen, but people don't pay attention to what's unseen, and the, and the actions are what's unseen. We, we see the talk, we see them on Fox News, we see them all over the media, but where's the action? Right. We're, we, we don't get done what we ask to be done, and as conservatives, this was the most conservative legislature in 20-plus years, and we got three watered-down bills out of the top eight of our priorities. I see. Speaking of priorities, on your website, you have nine issues. And those are individual rights, property tax. You have border security, election integrity, education, state sovereignty, right to life, term limits, and protecting the family. Now, usually people run on three 
or two, maybe even just one issue. So are all of these your top priority? Or are these just things that you believe in? My priorities are what I feel and I believe in. And so that's why we listed those. I actually had more, uh, but ultimately my priorities are the people's priorities. I'm a servant of, of the public mm-hmm. and the priorities are handed up through the GOP as a Republican to, uh, to get those done. My priority is to get those done. And then in between and after that, I will work on my issues that are on my website. Yeah. So then a side question, what have you gleaned is the main thing that the people are asking for right now? It's honestly from the amount of applause and the reactions I've gotten, really, I think it's protecting the family. Wow. That's where the biggest, to be, I mean, as much as I care about it too, it's been honestly a bit of a shock. I mean, and that still goes back even to the the vaccine and all the other things, right? It's, it's protecting your rights, the individual right, mm-hmm. and then ultimately then protecting your family because people are losing their jobs right now. They're being threatened to their livelihoods. And unfortunately, you start threatening families, their income and their livelihoods, people are going to act out and do things we, that you don't normally want to happen. Yeah. But when, when people become desperate, they, that's what they're going to do. So I think you're seeing that with the gender mutilation, the CPS system, the, to the, the education, all that is all re- revolves around ultimately our nuclear family and, and our structure and our morals, and it's being eroded. Yeah, you would have thought that in Texas it would be the priority, at least the southern border, I mean, securing the border. But I feel as if Texas is so big that a lot of people are disconnected from it. So it gets, as you go farther down south in the state, that's when the priority gets a little higher. But talking about the border, what practical measures can the state of Texas actually take to secure the border? Because obviously the Biden administration is not sending people out and Greg Abbott has done a little bit to try and sort of secure the border. But I know you have very strong opinions about that. (laughs) Biden is doing nothing. Uh, They're actively encouraging it. In fact, they've put us in open borders with the UN. And so we aren't going to stop this from happening. And that's why we have caravan after caravan after caravan coming. The Haitians weren't in Haiti. They've mm. been in South America for years. They were waiting until the Open Borders Pact was done so that they could freely come up here. So Abbott loves to, once again, show you what he's doing, but what is he actually doing? Mm. He sends you a picture on social media showing five Humvees driving down the road and says, oh, look, they're on their way. <clears throat> but I was down there and I have it recorded. They didn't go down there to stop it. They went down there and they're being required to assist. They're setting Mm. up stations and literally showing the coyotes where to bring the people over. And then they're actively going down in the river and helping them up off the boats. Wow. So we, we aren't getting what we say we're getting. The media tells you they're doing it. Everybody says we're trying to do it. And they say, well, there's only so much we can do. Right. As far as I'm concerned on what I, what we can do and what we should be doing is we should be actively engaging the citizens um, and I know the horrible M word militia, uh, <laughs> which is what our country literally fought a war was militias to stop the British army. Right. We didn't play by their rules. And we're back now saying, oh, well, we have to follow the rules. Well, the rules are what cost Britain a war against us. Yeah. And that's what's costing us our freedoms right now is we are not willing to do what needs to be done. And there are lots of people I've met with already that have fantastic plans that are still humane, humanitarian. They're not shooting them. They're not doing the bad things, right? There are ways to stop this, and they've told Abbott how to do it, and it's not that expensive. And Abbott's just said, well, we'll look into it. Yeah. And, well, we're still looking into it. Man. So. And not to mention whipping them with their reins, obviously, as we <sighs> yes. <laughs> as we know that's happening on the southern border. Yes. Wink, wink. So then when you say the word militia, 
and organizing the people, that is a really big part of the Second Amendment. And the intent, obviously, of the Second Amendment is not just so a person can uh, defend themselves individually, but to defend themselves from a tyrannical government. And so then why isn't the Second Amendment on your top nine priorities if that is one of the things that's going to help us, one, secure the border and then secure our First Amendment rights and our rights to our own bodies and all the things that flow from self-defense? When I first started doing this, constitutional carry did pass. Right. As much as it's not really constitutional carry, it's more permitless carry, and there's still way too many violations in there. It's technically being handled, so I didn't want to address an issue that already had been effectively, at this point, handled. Right. There are other issues that need to be addressed now. As far as the Second Amendment goes, it's constitutional. And the problem I have with that new bill is we're literally writing laws to give back what's in the name constitutional. Mm -hmm. So am I strong on it? Yes, I believe that anything constitutional is to be protected. And if anybody tries to take your constitutional rights away, they need to be removed from office. So Second Amendment should not be touched. In fact, it already has been. And we need to go back and find bills, find all the bills that took that away. And we need to remove them. Okay. And, and so, yes, I am strong on it. But as far as current issues, since constitutional carry had already been passed by the time I entered the race, it wasn't something I thought I needed to add. There were much bigger issues at this point we need to fight. But, yes, I will always defend the Second Amendment. Awesome. So we know both of us. I've been in politics for about a year and a half now, and you've been for probably a little bit longer than I have. I know even that Republicans typically say, well, we just need to throw a bunch of fiscal policies at the fan and we will save America by saving money and lowering taxes. And while that is a legitimate concern, I'll give them that culture obviously is more important. However, in the fiscal um, area, you talk about property taxes, and many Republicans are elected because their voters are mad about higher property taxes and how they're growing and growing and growing. And nothing really is ever done about that because property taxes are so linked to uh, public education funding and the district that you're in and all that very complicated where the money goes. Do you have a plan to reform public education funding such that the property taxes can actually be lowered effectively this time? So the the quick answer on that, yes. Uh, there's a much more in-depth that we don't have time to go through today, but public education is not education. It's indoctrination. Okay. And as much as I, when I was younger, I believed in having sports and all the things that I did in school, I think the biggest problem we've got now is that we are so focused on keeping kids in school and keeping everything contained there and away from the parents that we're not actively engaging them in real education. We're dumbing down our, our with Common Core. I mean, I was a math whiz, and I've looked at Common Core with my children, and I it doesn't make sense. Like, it's literally bringing down the smart math kids down to the lower levels, but we don't do that with reading and English and other things. Mm -hmm. Do we find a way to bring all the smart, you know, the creative kids, and do we make them dumb down their ability to do art? No, but we're doing it with math. Mm -hmm. So now everybody's being lowered to the lowest education level in math skills instead of being raised up and letting people be good at what they're good at. Right. I wasn't good at English and reading. That's not my specialty. That's not the way my brain works. I worked harder in those, and instead of teaching kids to work harder in those things that they're weak at so that they can excel in the things they're not weak at, we're doing the opposite. We're bringing everybody down right. to the lowest level. And I think that's a problem culturally in general. Corporations are doing the same thing. We don't, we don't use people to their strengths. We, use, we try to control the strengths and, and try to make people focus on their weaknesses. And that's mm -hmm. not how we're made. God gave us the ability to do what we're, what we can do and use those strengths for the right reasons. Yeah. So education needs to be modified. I think back into personally, I would like to see us go back to more like a K through eighth method okay. and move past that to trade schools and let kids specialize. And we need to move away from all of the, 
all the extracurricular, I think needs to be pulled mostly out of education. If these things, the sports and the arts are so valuable, then they will exist on their own. We can make after school programs that kids can be taken care of the, you know, and they're going to say, well, well, what about the kids that can't afford it? There's always going to be scholarships. There's always going to be public funding. We can always find a way. I mean, hell, there's still boosters and stuff for schools all the time to raise money. But yet we're building $70 million football stadiums for high schools. We're not worrying about education. We're worrying about how to fund these extracurricular activities. And then education is getting drained on the other end. So if we want teachers to get paid more and we want teachers to be back to being educators, then we need to pull the extracurriculars out, move them into waste. I mean, look at all the select leagues that are making a fortune right now. There's plenty of money to be made in these there's not many people that you really use band after high school, right? In college, bands, most of it's in music, it's guitars, it's things, but band doesn't teach that. It's marching bands and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we've pushed everybody into these areas. But like I have a son right now. He doesn't like art. He doesn't like music. And he doesn't want to do any of that. But he's forced into it. So he takes a class every day that he hates. Mm -hmm. That's not helping my son. But it's pushing an agenda. And most of this agenda is liberal arts agendas. And they're trying to indoctrinate our children into other methods by saying, well, you don't know if you like it. I think by the time you get to middle school, you know if you like to sing or if you like to draw. Sure. That's, that's actually a really interesting argument because I personally was really good at English, very, very good at public speaking, very good at writing, uh, specifically creative writing. And I focused a lot on art. Now I was homeschooled, of course, as I mentioned. So my curriculum was very tailored to my strengths, which I agree with you on that point. But do you think that then the arts and the extracurriculars and the more cultural, I guess, activities will end up being private funded? Is that kind of the hope that you're going in with? I would say, yeah, mostly. I think we need to move a less, I mean, you said property taxes, right? Public education is draining the system right now. Mm -hmm. And we keep adding more and more and more and more and more. And it's like, okay, at what point are we going to cut back? And if we go back to putting education back to being about education, life skills, math, reading, writing, science, history, that's education. Extracurricular is art, music, sports. All of that is extracurricular. That is not education. That is the, quote, well-rounded thing that we've been being told since I was in school, right? It's about, is the school's responsibility to do cultural, to do cultural or is the school's responsibility to educate? Hmm. Education is education. The rest of it should be taught by parents through private organizations, there will be public organizations that come about. There's going to be pro nonprofit organizations that will step up and take over, but we need to empower those organizations to take care of that instead of continuing to, to live off the government telling us what we have to do. And that's the thing. We need to move back to individual ability and responsibilities and away from the government dictating what we do in our lives. And that is all public education. So currency is something that we see. Currency is something that's physical. But there has been this unique uh, development of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. And that is really, really, really growing, specifically in the state of Texas. I mean, uh, Texas is actually becoming a leader um, with its energy abundance and generally pro-business climate. And then, of course, if we can actually get this tax thing fixed for corporate taxes, then lots of businesses will move here. And so a lot of libertarians and conservatives have actually gravitated some of their resources toward investing in cryptocurrency. And in this past um, Texas session, they passed a piece of legislation that recognized cryptocurrency not as a type of currency under the state government, but a type of asset that a person can have. Therefore, it's a little bit less taxable. So this non-inflationary cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, not to mention other types of coins, right. what steps are you going to take to ensure that this stays 
away from being taxed or controlled by the federal government. That's going to be hard, obviously. Uh, the Fed's going to get their hands in everything, and I think that goes back to what we need to do with the Federal Reserve. Uh, we need to look at <laughs> dismantling the Federal Reserve. They have too much power over money. They're they're trying to control, and they're going to try to get their hands in a cryptocurrency. So I have no problem with cryptocurrency. I have friends that have lots of money in it, and they do very well in it. Uh, I've only dabbled in it. It's not something I've it's a bit of a gamble and I'm not one to gamble. The problem we have, I see with cryptocurrency personally, and this is coming from a buddy that has lots of money in it. It's not secure and it's easy to be stolen. And that's the one problem that we do need to look at because you do have to have all these things. And if you get big profiles, there are hackers. They can get a hold of your information. I was told to keep everything safe. So we do need to look at ways to make sure that if people are going to move to cryptocurrency, that we find a way to I guess from the government standpoint, make sure that it is secure. We don't want our constituents being <laughs> broke because they put everything in it and some hacker gets in there because it is electronic. What are we doing with the voting machines? It's electronic. Mm -hmm. If you got enough money in there, there are people that are going to steal it. So we don't have any secure, any protection for that. And that's the biggest fear is that you can have a million dollars in there and it's gone the next in the blink of an eye. If a hacker gets a hold of your codes. So we have to find ways to protect it. I don't want that protected from a regulatory standpoint as the Fed is, where they're like in your bank and seeing what's going on, like they're trying to do right now with anything over $600. But uh, I have no problem. I'm always going to push for anything that's individual freedoms and individual rights. And if you want to trade money on the crypto market, you should have every right to do that. It's not our business. So, mm -hmm. But I think that's the only thing we need to look at is how to make sure it's a little more secure for the average citizen because it's going to it's easily to be manipulated and, and taken advantage of them. And effectively, you're going to have a lot of people bankrupt if you don't do it right. Blockchain technology specifically is affirmed with millions of computers all at the same time. Therefore, hacking is actually one of the hardest things that you can do. It's harder to hack blockchain technology than it is to hack someone's six-digit iPhone code, Correct. which, uh, you know, we've all seen that the post where they talk about how it would take a billion years to hack someone's six-digit code on their iPhone. <laughs> and so I might actually disagree with that. Well, People have. I don't think it's the cryptocurrency. That is very secure the way they did it's blockchain. The blockchain. The blockchain is very secure. I'm talking about how people are storing their money. They're storing it in their wallets on their phones. And if you can hack the wallet, if you can get in the phone, you get into the wallet, now you transfer the money wherever you want it. That's the problem. It's not the blockchain. The blockchain is secure. The design of a cryptocurrency is very secure. It's the how people are storing their money. They're not storing it in a proper way. It's like going to the bank, right? You know your money's safe. If you store your money in your home, and someone breaks in your home, it's gone. Sure. It's the same thing. So not that, like I said, I don't want Federal Reserve in our hands, right? But I was told, you know, buy, buy ways to secure it, buy hard wallets, buy things that you can pull it off. Because if you don't, and you do get that six-digit code off your iPhone, now you have access to that wallet. And now you can transfer that money out to anywhere. And that's what we need to be sure of, is that we make sure it's a little bit more secure. Because it's easy to do when you're $100, $500. But when you start getting in six figures, sure. I mean, my buddy's up in that area. And he's, he's been multiple times. They've tried to steal his phone number. They tried to use it to hack him. Mm. And he knows plenty of people that have lost a lot. I mean, there, there is still ways we need to make sure it's protected right. because the average person, it's not for the, the, the person that's really good at doing it knows what to do. But the average person, it's not like just walking into a bank saying, I'm going to stick $500 in my bank and it's secure because that bank's protecting it. That's the one thing I would say, not as a fear, but that's the one concern I have. But beyond that, I think there's nothing wrong with it. You've seen what Florida has done on fighting big tech and make, making people able to sue. And I don't know the details of Ron DeSantis' bill, but I know that he's been fighting big tech. Are you going to try and take that up and make Texas allies with Florida when we're fighting big tech censorship? Big tech is out of control. They are no longer private entities. 
they they used their public free access and now they want to depend they want to act like they're a private industry they're not it's they're, they're not they're they're publishers they're controlling content you don't get that right when you use all of us as basically guinea pigs to build a business mm-hmm. on a free option it's like the public library, like going to the public library to find out all your information and the public library starts controlling the content and starts changing everything. It's like, well, well, we're private a library. No, you're not. You're public. You, you, you said you're a public. It's the same thing. We go out there for information. It's become a source of information. And big tech is one of, it's probably the biggest detriment we have right now to society. They're controlling everything we do. They're manipulating the, what we see. No, I, I, I would probably go further than Ron DeSantis if I have any say so in it. All right. Okay, we need to shut it down. Yeah. Texas needs to be a leader in the things that we actually say because, come on, we're Texas. I mean, why aren't we going on the frontier? Why aren't we protecting people's individual rights more than we have been? And I hope that you're going to uphold that. Would you push for stronger protections for Texans in their workplaces so that those who do not want to get vaccinated don't have to? So I think, and this is what I say a lot when I'm speaking, I think we need to get away from the whole concept of business rights. there is no business rights. There's an individual right. Mm-hmm. So as a business owner myself, I have an individual right to run my business until that individual right encroaches on your individual medical needs. I do not have the right to tell you to put a mask on. That's a medical device. I don't have that right. I don't have the right to tell you to put a vaccine in your body. It's not my choice. I can't mandate that. I can tell you how to dress because it's representing my business, but I can't tell you what to do that would physically alter and change your body. Like I said, as a business owner, I can't run and tell you to jump off a bridge and kill yourself, right? right? Well, you work for me, right? I have a, it's my business. I have a right to do whatever I want. No, you don't. And that's the thing is it's individual rights. But we also need to look at like these public entities like hospitals that say, well, I'm a private hospital. No, you're taking public tax dollars. You're a public health. What happened to the left's, uh, uh, what was it, health care for all? What happened? I thought not healthcare for all, unless you follow their rules. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem is we need to get back to focusing on the individual rights and the individual has a right to maintain their medical freedom. And then more of a philosophical question. Uh, We've all heard that politics is downstream from culture. However, I have heard people argue that culture is downstream from politics and they do, they speak to each other. It's not one downstream from the other. And I personally believe that they do. It's an ongoing conversation between culture and politics. But in your opinion, do you believe that culture is downstream from politics or politics is downstream from culture? I think it's a mix. Honestly, it, it's definitely downstream. Politics is downstream from culture when it comes to the left. The left goes out and yells at everybody until they get their way. So they force the culture on the politics. Mm-hmm. And then the politics then enforces that culture onto the rest of us. Mm. So it's kind of a combination of all. Most people want to live their lives and be left alone. So typically politics is influencing culture in more cases because we don't we don't really vote the way we should we don't go stand up for our values why is texas not what it should be why is texas the most powerful state in the union not leading right now because we've let the politicians tell us what we're going to do we are not standing up for our freedoms and our rights so i think i think culture influences the politics the outspoken left and right influence with their culture the politics and then the rest of us get downstream effects of that that influence. So I think that's the problem is most people agree. I think if you sit down and talk with any race, any color, any religion, anybody, 90% of the people will agree 95% of the time. Hmm. It's that 5% to 10% difference we all have is what happens. But we let the five to 10% on the outline areas dictate what all of us do. They divide us, they split us up. And so we end up with 
the outside cultures, the radical sides of left and right, influence on the politicians, and then the politicians in, enacting legislation and the laws that end up affecting us downstream on our culture. Well, not to mention that 5% is typically the one that's going to actually get elected. So we have representations of the way extreme sides in, right. in the federal house and in our state houses. So then what is one piece of legislation that you will push for that will impact the culture? I think anything regarding to family courts, the back to like, if you read on my website, the protect the family, Back to what I was saying earlier, that's where I've seen most people did. I think that's the biggest thing to make a difference is we've got to get government out of people's lives and protecting the nuclear family, getting the households back to the way they are, stop splitting them up over small crimes and small decisions that are tearing apart the family because the family is what creates the culture. Mm -hmm. A strong household can outdo any public education system. But if the households are weak and the morals are bad, and we keep pulling Christianity and everything away, and we keep allowing all this transgender divisiveness, all the things we're doing, that's pulling us at every edge. I mean, we're, I mean, like I said, it's everybody's at so much chaos right now that I don't think people realize it because they don't want to admit that there's that much going on. Sure. And it's because we're being overwhelmed at every level. But if we had strong morals and we had strong families again, we could out, we could over, overcome that. But we don't. We're, so I think the biggest thing I want to do is focus on that outside of, like I said before, my the GOP priorities. Because I think if we don't get back to focusing on morals, the, the country's going down in a hill in a hurry. So final question. you Your assumed proposition throughout this whole interview has been that if we remove government regulation from, from the individual, then families will heal. Is that correct? I think that will assist. I think as long as we... It's not just that simple. You can remove a lot of things, but the families aren't going to stay together just because of that, because there's still the court system. There's still a lot of other things that are going to affect that. But I think as a whole, if you get the government out of the public education system to the level they are now and all the regulations and all the restrictions on us, yes, I think that will bring a lot of people back because then they will feel like they have their freedoms and their rights back to control their lives. And that, that should be the best thing we can do. Aaron Sorrells, everybody. Aaron, would you just give us a quick plug and how we can find out more about you? Yeah, so website is uh, Sorrells for Texas. It's a number four in there. Um, we've also made it easier. It's actually, you can go S4TX.com. Well, best of luck in the race, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate you coming.